belt of truth. This week we're going to talk about the breastplate of righteousness. So if you got your Bibles, who's old school and has their old school leather bound? Hold that up. Hold it proud. All right. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. And if you're new school, say new school. Go ahead and swipe to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to read verse 10 through verse 14. And it will be on the screens as well. So we're talking about the full armor of God. That's what the series is about. And so verse 10 says, finally be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Say mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Say full armor. Full armor armor of God. So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So the Lord, friends, understand this. It's called the full armor of God. It's not called the full armor of Josh. It's not called the full armor of Vision Ministries. It's not called the full armor of you do your best. No, friends, it's the full armor of God. That what? That protects us from what? What did it say at the end of that? We can stand against the devil's schemes. So the devil is going to scheme against you and against me, correct? Absolutely. If the Bible says it, then friends, you believe it, and that says it. That settles it. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Say amen. Amen. Look at your spouse and say amen. Look at your children and say amen. <laughs> Look at that person that's sitting next to you that gets on your nerves the most and say amen. Because you know, you brought them to church today. Your, your, your struggle, friends, your struggle is not against them. Okay. Your struggle is not against flesh and blood. Isn't that what the scripture says? Yeah, it absolutely does. But against rulers, against the authorities against the powers of dark of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So Paul makes it very clear in the book of Ephesians that we're not fighting against each other. We, we Even though we do fight against each other, but the real fight isn't really against the person that's next to you. The fight is really in the spirit realm. There are If, if you are a Christian in here, means Christian means you have dedicated your life to Christ, then friends, you believe the Bible, and if you believe the Bible, the Bible says that there are spiritual forces at work around us that are influencing you to do evil. Did you know that? There is. It's sad to me, my my daughter, uh, Pastor Joy, she shared the story maybe last week or a few weeks ago, was talking with a neighborhood, I know I've just paused the, the verse, we'll get back to it, talking to, to some neighborhood uh, kids in our neighborhood, and we live right here in the, in the neighborhood, a few blocks down on Prouty. And uh, we have a trampoline, and so when you have a trampoline, you become the, you become the, the neighborhood play area. It's just uh, it's the way it works. So my, so my daughter was outside, and so uh, she got a knock on the fence, and her, her little friends came in. And so she's talking to them, and so she started talking to them about God. And she started talking to them about, and I'm sure maybe you've heard this story before, and she started talking to them about Jesus and asked them if, if they wanted to live for Jesus, and they said yes. And then, so, then she went on and she started saying, well, there's a devil too, and he wants you to do bad stuff. Have you ever heard of the devil? These kids, neighborhood kids, live in America, go to public schools. Said, no, we've never heard of the devil. Yeah. Isn't that a scheme of the devil yeah. to make people uh, believe and people in the church to believe that he doesn't exist or that he doesn't influence people. Come on, somebody. <laughs> because if you don't know he's real, then you're not going to fight your war against him. Because that's where the real fight needs to happen. Okay, verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So he's saying he's giving us the full armor of God. He's telling us why we need the full armor of God. And he's telling us again, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, say day of evil. Some of you guys faced that day of evil yesterday. Some of y'all faced that day of evil on the way to church today. The day of evil comes. Friends, it comes, it comes. What's a day of evil? That's the day that, that the devil is coming against you. It's coming against your family. When the day, so he's saying, put on the full arm of God. So when that day comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. We talked about that last week. And then we're going to talk about the second part. And with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Say breastplate of righteousness. I know it's a tongue twister. Breastplate of righteousness. So 
So that's what we're going to be talking about a little bit today. So what is the breastplate of righteousness, and what purpose does it serve? What is that? What? It's, it's very descriptive. We're going to, when we go through each piece of armor, each piece of armor is, has a description with it, and so we're going to talk a little bit about what that is and what that looks like. So a breastplate is a central part. So when you think of breastplate, think of Paul and he's sitting in jail because that's when he wrote most of these epistles. He's sitting in jail and he's writing this letter to the Ephesians. And I could just imagine that he's sitting in jail, he's handcuffed and he's writing this letter and he's looking outside of his jail cell and he sees what would be a modern-day police officer, which was a Roman officer, and he's fully garbed in all of his gear. And so when he's, I can just see him as he's writing this and he's being inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this, I can see him just visualizing, looking at this Roman soldier, and he's saying, breastplate of righteousness. So, so when you think of a breastplate, you know, think of a Roman soldier's armor that provided protection from the torso. Uh, it contained uh, the protection from the vital organs, the heart, lungs, and uh, and the breastplate. Without a breastplate, if there was a, a blow to the chest, most likely it would be deadly, correct? So here's a picture of what uh, uh, you know a breastplate might look like back in the day if you were a Roman soldier. If you could put that on, Sherry, that next picture. That's, that, you know, that's maybe something of what it may have looked like. You know, it was something that was probably made of armor, some sort of metal that would protect them from a sword stab, or from an arrow. And so if you was a soldier, that is a part of your armor that you absolutely need, and it's essential, and it's vital, correct? So what a, a modern-day equivalent of that would look like would be a Teflon vest. So we have our police officers that are out on the streets, and, you know, and they're, trying, they're trying to do their best to, you know, to, to protect our streets, and, and you know, they come into situations where... People are acting hostile. So their modern equivalent uh, breastplate or, you know, would, is, a, is what? A, a, a bulletproof vest. And so a police officer has protection to protect their vital organs from, from bullets, right? Yeah, most of the time. So, we, so we're going to talk about the breastplate of righteousness. So what is the breastplate of righteousness? Friends, the breastplate of righteousness, the reason God would tell us to put on this breastplate of righteousness so that it can, it can protect the, our organs. And more, most importantly, friends, this is a spiritual piece of armor to protect our heart. Why would we need our heart protected? Well, we need our heart protected because that is the area that if the devil can get a hold of your heart, if he can get a hold of your mind, your will, and emotions, then friends, he can get a hold of your actions. If he can grab a hold of that which motivates you, then friends, he can have your life. That's why the scripture says in Proverbs, that's why it says in Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23, it says above all else, say above all else. Guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Another translation says, guard your heart for, for from it flows the wellspring of life. The writer says, above all else, meaning, friends, it is so very vital, it is so very Im- Im- important that we guard our heart. What happens when you don't guard your heart? You're going to find yourself getting into a whole lot of trouble. The Bible says that we put the that, that we put the breastplate of righteousness in place. We need the breastplate of righteousness to cover our heart, to protect our heart. Now, Priscilla Shire, I don't know how many of you guys have ever heard Priscilla, Priscilla Shire, phenomenal woman of God. You know, this is what she says. She says, the heart, according to the Bible, is the centerpiece of the soul, which is made up of mind, your thoughts, Will, your ambitions, and emotions, your feelings. So your heart is made of your thoughts, your ambitions, and your feelings. So when you guard your thoughts, when you guard your ambitions, and when you guard your feelings, then friends, it makes it a lot more difficult for the devil to manipulate you. And friends, the devil is manipulating people. Do you know that? Today, the devil is manipulating people. Right now. 
possibly not in this house of worship, but maybe somewhere else, or maybe on the street, there, there, and maybe even in this house, the devil is manipulating people in their marriage right now, and there's somebody that's, that has an extramarital affair. Why? Because somehow he allowed the, their, their thoughts and their emotions to be manipulated. There's somebody that they feel like they're not loved and, and that, that nobody cares for them and that they're, and the enemy's isolating them. What is he doing? He's manipulating their what? Their mind and their will and their emotions. There are people that have been stuck in the life that they've been in for, for years and don't think that there's any way out of it. Only think, well, this is the way it's always been and this is the way it's always going to be and, and I can't change. Friends, what's happened is you've allowed the enemy to manipulate your mind, your will and emotions. Because if you're a son or daughter or a daughter of God, the scripture says that when you look not to the right or to the left, when you, when you allow the word of the Lord, when you keep that uh, in front of you, it says you will be prosperous and successful in all you do, friends. And I'm not just talking about having money in your pocket. Because you can have money in a pocket and a hole in your heart. Well. Say amen right there, that was good. Yeah. <laughs> being successful is being emotionally healthy, spiritually healthy. Having a, having a healthy family. Having a healthy marriage. You know, if, if that's you. It, it could be being a healthy single person that's, that, that's going through life and, you know, they're going into school. It could be a, a young person who, who is emotionally healthy. Friends, being successful really has nothing to do with money. Has everything to do with everything else. Money is an out, it's a, it's a, it's a byproduct of the success of your life. If you're successful in all you do, then most likely you'll be successful in business or wherever you're at. And I know that has nothing to do with anything. But friends, but the enemy wants to get a hold of our mind, our will, and our emotions. If we don't allow the breastplate of righteousness to protect our heart, the enemy will deceive us into trying to protect our own heart by hardening it. And friends, this is called self-preservation. Say self-preservation. So friends, there's two ways that the enemy wants to get a hold of your heart. Number one, he wants to get a hold of your heart. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. He wants to get a hold of your heart because if you can manipulate your mind and your thoughts, if you can manipulate your, your emotions, then he can manipulate your actions. And you think what you're doing is right when really what you're doing is you're going down, you're, you're plummeting down to darkness. Another way that he manipulates people is, well, because of all of the stuff they've been through in life, or whatever it might be, you know, maybe they've just been hurt over and over and over and they've been trampled on. And so what the enemy makes you do is, is he makes you feel like, well, you gotta, you gotta put up all these walls and don't let anybody in and all these other things. And what do you do? Then you, you begin to self-preservate. Now people that self-preservate, it's harder for them to receive from God because when you self-preservate, you don't let anyone in. And free, and that's a default mechanism for people. When you, you know, when you're on the street, I mean, there's just, I mean, you have, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like it happens you know, metamorphosis. It just, it just, you're going to protect yourself. Friends, the Lord wants us to be vulnerable to Him. Do you know that? Yeah. Say vulnerable. vulnerable. See, we don't like that word vulnerable. We don't like that word vulnerable. You can be a big old grown man, lift weights, but you don't want to be vulnerable. It don't matter how big you are, if you're a man, you're a woman, you're a child. Friends, God wants us to be vulnerable. Well. There is freedom in being vulnerable to God. Shh, telling you. You want to live in emotional health? You want to be happy and you want the joy of the Lord? Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you'll be healed. It's called being vulnerable. There's too many people going through life trying to do it their own self. See, I tried doing it my own self for too long. It didn't work. That's why I, that's why I went to Jesus. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 19, or 17, verse 9 says, and this is what's so, this is what's so messed up. Do you know that you can be deceived by your own emotion? Do you know that? Do you know you can be deceived by your own heart? <laughs> Jeremiah verse 17 verse 9 says the heart is deceitful above all else and beyond cure who can understand it? The heart is deceitful above all things beyond cure. Who can understand it? Another translation would say who could tame it. So, for those of us who like to be led by our heart, <laughs> uh-oh, I know I say this a lot. It's so fun. I love it. I got it from, I got it from Fireproof. I, claim, I don't claim it as my own. 
For those of us who like to be led by our heart, friends, you can be led astray. You watch all the movies, all the, all the TV shows on Hallmark. Oh, you know, follow your heart. Follow your heart. You're going to follow it, your, your, your path to destruction. Friends, you need to lead your heart. Well, you need to lead your heart. You because the heart is deceitful. The, the selfish nature inside of us will lead us astray. That's why we need the Word of God. That's why we need to know the Word of God. Friends, that's why we got to be in the Spirit. It's why we got to pray. It's why we got to stay plugged into church to keep us grounded. I'm glad I got one amen from my own mama right there. That was good. <laughs> that's right. I mean, that's a scary thing. Isn't it scary to think you can deceive yourself? Some of y'all don't care, like, you know, I don't care about all this. I don't know, it scares me to think I can deceive myself. I can think in my own mind that I'm doing the right thing when really I'm doing the wrong thing. I've seen it happen too many times in relationships where a person is deceived and they think that this person, this other person is fulfilling their needs and they're betraying the one that they've been with for, for 20 years. The heart is deceitful. So we're talking about the breastplate of righteousness. We know that the breastplate protects our heart because the enemy wants to deceive us through our heart, right? Through our mind, through our will, and through our emotions. But what is righteousness? Because it's called the breastplate of righteousness. So what is righteousness? Friends, righteousness simply means right standing with God. That's all it means. It's a big, fancy church word. (laughs) That just means right standing with God. So when God is asking us to live a righteous life, He's asking us to live a life that's in right standing with Him. Well, how do you know? Well, what is that? What is a life that's in right standing with Him? There's only one thing that can tell you that, and and we're holding it right in our hands, right now. The B-I-B-L-E. The Bible is the one that's going to instruct us on how to live a life that's pleasing to God. I can tell you, so I'm blue in the face, what you should do, what you shouldn't do, but that's not my place. Because then you get fall, you fall into religion and you fall into tradition and you fall into do this and do, and do that and don't do this and don't do that. What I want you to do is I would love for you to fall madly in love with Jesus. I would love you to fall passionately in love with God. And allow your love relationship with Him. Filter what's, what, what is uh, uh, available for you to do and what's not. Because I believe the Holy Spirit can, is, is, is a way better teacher than I am. <laughs> he actually calls Himself the advocate, the helper, the standby, the teacher. <laughs> the Holy Spirit. Say Holy Spirit. See, some people get all freaked out. They think it's the... Father, Son, and the Holy Bible. Man, y'all need the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Holy Spirit. We need the Spirit of God. Come on. They will worship Him in spirit and truth. Both of them. Not just truth, not just spirit. You need them both. Righteousness simply means right standing with God. Friends, the Bible talks about us being in right standing with God in Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 through 40. One of these... Smart people said, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with some of your heart, with <laughs> with some of your mind. You guys are so smart. I love it. You guys are so smart. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And it says all of the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. So if you want to live a life pleasing to God, you want to live a righteous life, all you have to do is love God with everything. It's so easy, but it's so hard. I've been loving Jesus for 20 years and loving Him with everything is still hard for me. Are you a pastor? That don't mean Jack. I'm a man. I'm a person. I'm a mortal. I'm finite. I have flesh. I have mistakes. I screw up. I choose every day to say, God, I'm going to love you. It's a choice every day. See, we think love is an emotion. Love is a choice. 
I'm so glad that Jesus, when he loved us from outstretched arm to outstretched arm, didn't allow his emotion to cause him to get off that cross for us. Because he said, Father, take this cup from me. What's that? His emotion. He didn't want to do it. But he said, not my will be done, your will be done. And when he hung there, he was thinking of you, he was thinking of me. And he was thinking about us being with him forever. Love is a commitment. Love is a choice. So when you love him, you may not feel like you love him. You may not feel like he loves you. But it's a commitment. Anybody here been married more than 20 years? Raise your hand. Can you honestly look at the person sitting next to you and say, I feel like I love you every moment of the day? (laughs) See, that was a setup. Straight set you up. Now you got to take them out to dinner after church. (laughs) No, I bet you there were days that you couldn't stand each other. I've been married 16 years. 16, I'm almost at 20. I mean, you just have, there's times like that. But at the end of the day, you just don't look at them and say, I can't stand you. And so, no. I committed. I stood before God and before you. And I committed and said, I'm sticking with you. Even when things get tough. Everybody loves the good times. Butterflies. The money's flowing. Kids are doing perfect. All the bills are paid. Vacations are flowing. But when you're, pen, when you're, when you're uh, pinching two nickels together and the kids are acting like hellions and you got, and you got a, you, uh, you, instead of getting a job increase, you got demoted and, and, and it's just like hell is happening all around you and you got bill collectors calling and I don't know, whatever the case scenario. And you can look at that person standing next to you and say, it's not your fault. <laughs> I guess you know that's what you want to do. <laughs> Come on, that's love. Well, <laughs> you know that's the first thing you say. It's your fault. It's not your fault. Is that just me? Is that just me? Okay, I just want to make sure. Okay, I just want to make sure there's somebody else in the same boat with me. So glad my wife's not here. She'd probably be like, "Amen." Okay, so, anyways, <laughs> this is being recorded. Love the Lord your God with everything, friends. The only way that we can stand in right standing with God is when we love Him with everything. And the only way that you can truly love others is when you love Him with everything. The, the transformation that has happened in Pastor Earl and Pastor Renee, so the transformation that's happened in my life, where you love people, that is only an overflow of the, of, of the affection of what God has done. The only way that you can truly love somebody completely is if you are loved by God completely and you know His love that He has for you. I don't even know where that came from. That's Holy Spirit download. (laughs) Friends, if we do not protect our heart, we will not be in right standing with God and we certainly won't be in right standing with others. That's why it says above all else. Say above all else. else. Yeah. Righteousness. What is righteousness? I I didn't put it up on the screen because it was something I threw in last minute. James chapter 1, verse 27. James says... What is, what is true and faultless religion? What is true religion? To look after orphans and widows and to keep yourself from being polluted. Say polluted. Polluted, polluted from the world. So you know what righteousness is? Righteousness is, a not, is not allowing your life to be polluted by every, all the garbage that's happening out here. Say amen right there. See, because see, what happens is, is everything that's happening out there, I mean, you got all kinds of crap that's happening down in Virginia, and you got all kinds of crap that's happening. And so, so if you allow that to stir you up and get you all fired up and all kinds of messed up, well. <laughs> the breastplate of righteousness protects us, protects our most vital organ, our heart, spiritual heart. Protects the area where the enemy wants to manipulate and get a stronghold in. And then when when we allow the breastplate of righteousness to protect our hearts, then friends, it's going to protect our relationship with God and and, and, and our relationship with others. How can the the breastplate of righteousness protect our heart so we can stand in right standing with God? This is what's so amazing. I love this. This is amazing. 
I just want to let you know that this was my wife's point, and it's incredible. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so good. I just got to preach it. It's so good. Friends, because this is the thing, okay? The only way for us to be in right standing with God to actually have righteousness is through Christ. It's through Christ. You can't have your own righteousness. You can't do your own good and try to be your own good person. Oh man, it's so good. I can't wait to get into this. It's through Christ. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 16 through 17. It says, he saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm achieved salvation for him and his own righteousness sustained him. He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. And he put on the garment of vengeance and wrapped himself in the zeal as a cloak. Okay, the Lord's talking about okay, his righteousness. Okay, friends, it's important for us to remember righteousness comes through God in Christ. It's not our own merit. It's not something that we can achieve on our own. So it's not you start doing good works and now you're righteous. Because that's, that, it doesn't work that way. See, what happens is you commit your life to Christ. He lives in you. You abide in Him. He abides in you. And then what you do is you put on His righteousness. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. So the only way that we can live a right life and right standing with God and live a righteous life is to allow Christ's righteousness to be placed on our life. Because Isaiah chapter 64 verse 4 says all of us have become, it says all of us become like the one who is unclean and all of our righteousness are like filthy rags. So your own good deeds, your own merit, your own effort in and of yourself is like filthy rags. And I want to just go ahead and I'm going to just share something a little bit with you guys. Now the people that translated the Bible in the NIV, they made it nice and pretty for us. They did. They made it, they made it not graphic. (laughs) Do you want to know, do you want to know what the actual translation? It's not filthy rags. Do you know what the actual translation is? The actual translation of that word in the Hebrew is actually the rags of menstruation. I'm going to go home now. Goodbye. See you guys later. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> so, so Isaiah says that our own merit, our own effort, our own goodness is like a tampon. It's like a Kotex. Look it up. Go get a, a, a Greek and Hebrew Bible and you'll find that filthy rags is rags of menstruation. <laughs> Just let that sink in for a minute. All you ladies get it. All of us men, we don't. <laughs> That's nasty. He's basically saying your merit... Your righteousness, nasty. <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's the word. I'm telling you, man, there's so many good nuggets in there. So many good, some, there's some good stuff in there. Romans chapter 3 verse 10 says, it says, there is no one righteous, not even one. <laughs> we can't achieve righteousness on our own. So in order for us, are you getting this? In order for us to have the full armor of God, which is God's, and to have the breastplate of righteousness, it's not us doing good stuff. It's us clothing ourselves with Christ. Come on, somebody say amen, because that's good right there. Amen. It's when we clothe ourselves with the righteousness of Christ, that's what guards our hearts. So we got to be in Christ. It says he who is in Christ is a new creation. Not all those that are around Christ. Not all those that are just attending church and watching everybody else worship. No, for those who are in Christ is a new creation. You want the righteousness of Christ? You gotta be in Christ. You wanna be in Christ? You gotta read his word. You gotta pray. You gotta spend time with him. Covenant relationship. Man, it's so good. I'm like, man, babe, that was such a good point. My wife can preach, y'all. 
She can preach to me. She preached to me a lot. <laughs> the righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness is first and foremost the righteousness of Christ. It's upright living, aligning with God. Putting our life in alignment with God's Word. I'm telling you, friends, I lived my life however I wanted to live before I came to Christ. I thought I was, I thought I was good because I never killed anybody. You know, I was, you know, drugs, streets, all that. I don't have time to get into all, all that past. But friends, but when I started reading the Bible and realizing the life that God wanted, I'm telling you, it changed everything. There are too many people, they, li- they think they can just live how you want to live, do what you want to do, and it's going to be all good in the end. It's not. That's why we've got to read the Word, friends. Our righteousness is not good works, it's obedience. And allowing Him to be our righteousness. Not good works. Look at your neighbor and say, not good works. Now, we need works around this church. There's a lot of stuff that need to be worked on. Ain't that right, Chris? We're just talking later. We're looking up here like, yeah, we got to do some paint touch-up. Mm-hmm. There's always works that need to be done. There's people that need to be served. We serve hot meals Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, serving thousands of people every month. There's works that happen. The reason you came in and, there, and this place was clean was because somebody did some works. If you went and used the bathroom, it's because somebody cleaned that for you. Somebody did some works. So we have to do stuff. we got to serve. But that doesn't make you in right standing with God, though, just because you do stuff around the church. But we do appreciate it, though. We need, we, we need, we need more. So. <laughs> Ephesians chapter uh, 4, verse 1. I don't know if I put that on the screen or not. But righteousness helps us walk in a manner worthy of our calling. It helps us walk uprightly. That's what it is. Righteousness is in right standing with God. Friends, when Jesus is in control, He can protect our heart against the enemy. Do you know that? Do you know that God is the best offense and defensive weapon? Pastor and I were talking about this just earlier today. When David, when he stood before the nine-foot giant, he didn't say, I come before you with my skill that I learned when I slayed the bear and when I slayed the lion. He said, I come before you in the name of the living God. Come on, friends. The Lord can be our best protection. I love, I love just giving my life over to Him and letting Him deal with stuff. It's so much easier, man. You will save yourself a lot of trouble. You will save yourself jail time. You will save yourself... You will, you will save yourself court fees and fines if you just allow the Lord to do it. <laughs> it's the truth, man. Some of y'all need to hear that. But I got. But they said something. I got to go tell them. No, you don't. Shut your mouth. Let Jesus handle it. You don't have to go tell them because you go telling them means you're going to go swinging. You don't need to do that. <laughs> Another way the breastplate of righteousness protects our hearts uh, is through through the Word. I love, I love the Bible. Because every time I think that, that I have something, you know, I'm trying to do something in a right manner, the Scriptures have, have a way of bringing things into alignment. I love the fact that when I'm going through stuff, and I start reading the Bible, and the Lord speaks to me through what I'm going through, even though the, even though the Bible was written thousands of years ago, it's amazing. It's supernatural. It's powerful. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword penetrates and divides soul and spirit, joint and marrow, the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Friends, it's through the Word that helps us live lives that are righteous. Psalm 119, verse 11, one of the first verses I've ever memorized, was, I have hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So if you find yourself sinning against God, it's because His Word's not in your heart. Isn't that what it says? I mean, say it backwards. I mean, that's what it's saying. If God's word isn't hidden in your heart, you're going to sin against him. So if you don't want to sin against him, hide his word in your heart. So when temptation comes, when the day of evil comes, when that pretty little girl goes walking by, when that old friend calls you up, come on, it's the word that's hidden in your heart that keeps you from sinning. Say amen. We must keep in mind that, friends, sin separates us from the presence of God. That's why I, when I was, when I, you know, and our, our worship team, we have a, just a great worship team, and I know their heart, they love, they love God, they, they love you, and they want to see you encounter Him. But, friends, when you're in sin, man, it separates you from the presence, and God doesn't do that because He's, he's 
evil or, or, or because he's cruel. No, he does that to protect you. When God pulls away, huh, it's to protect you. Because fellowship, light and darkness can't have fellowship. And the scripture says no man can see God and live. So, so you cannot approach God in his presence with sin and garbage. So to protect you, huh, he withdraws. So when we repent, when we turn from our sin, he's right there again. He does that to protect us. Some of y'all won't get that. We'll have to talk later. We, have, we can get into a whole discussion about that. But if you're wondering why God feels distant, most likely it's us. We've distanced, you know, our sin has caused the distance. It's not He's done anything different. Hmm. Friends, we need to learn to spend time in the Word. Say spend time in the Word. Yeah, you know what's so cool about the Bible app? You can have the Bible with you wherever you go. You can have the Bible. You may even not be the best reader. It'll read it to you. You can, you can read the Bible on your break at your job. You can read it at the bus stop. You can read it on the toilet. I mean, you can read it. I mean, come on. Where do you get your... I mean, you, there, is, there is time in your schedule. Some people say, well, I don't have time to read. No, you don't make time to read. You sure do have time to spend hours on Facebook. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. <laughs> Oh, I watch uh, I watch this video uh, where this guy they were doing this study of our modern time, and uh, and you know do you know there was a time before cell phones when people actually read a lot more. Do you know that? And so now everybody has a cell phone, and 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 people would say, you know, well, you know, I'm I'm reading. Do you know the majority of people on their cell phones they they're not even spending time reading? Do you know what we spend the majority of our time on our cell phones doing? Playing, vid- playing games. Come on. Clash of Clans. Sugar Rush. Whatever. Whatever. Sugar Rush. Clash Royale. Tetris. I don't know. Some of y'all playing Farmville. Whatever. We've See, what's happened is is we haven't become more busy as a society. We've, what we've done is we've changed our priorities. Wow. So where, where, wow. where people used to take their extra time and they would read, now we, we take our extracurricular time and we, 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 we disconnect. And so we live in a society that is moving into... And, and, it's, and it's not like anyone's done anything wrong. It's just the natural gravitation of our culture because of, of what is available to us now that we've naturally just gravitated into a culture that's doing more, uh, we're, we're, we're disconnecting from everything more now than we have ever done ever before. Not saying that it's wrong, because we need to unplug. We do. If you don't ever unplug, then, then you will drive yourself nuts, you'll drive your kids nuts, you'll drive us nuts. We have to unplug. But we live in a culture that's, that has just, we've just become so, so, so don't give an excuse I don't have time. We have to make time. You have to discipline yourself. Discipline, man, that's a hard thing. It's hard. I guarantee you, you know what? If you, you want to see your life change for the better, take 15 minutes. That's all it takes. 15 minutes a day. 15 minutes a day. Reading your Bible. You can read through the whole Bible in a year. Your life will be changed forever. Do you know that? 15 minutes. It's good stuff. Friends, the breastplate of righteousness protects our heart so we can stay in right standing with God, not just through the Word, but also through prayer. Leonard Ravenhill, he's a revivalist uh, back in the uh, 1950s. He said, a man who is not praying is straying. <laughs> and this guy has so many one-liners. <laughs> he said, too many people are playing, not praying. I mean, he's got all kinds of stuff. If you want to be in right standing with God... We have to spend time with them in prayer. How many of us like to pray? Man, prayer is amazing. I mean, you should, you should leave prayer feeling empowered. If you're not, you're praying the wrong prayers. If you don't leave a time of prayer feeling strengthened and like you can like take on the day, then you need to find yourself a prayer partner. 
You need to find somebody who can challenge you in praying. Because I'm telling you, I got, when I first got saved, I got around some people who knew how to pray, and they taught me how to pray, and so I, I, now I know how to pray. There's some prayer warriors in this church. Find some. We gotta spend time in prayer. First John chapter 5, verse 14 through, I'm almost done. First John chapter 5, verse 14 through 15. It says, in this confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything, say anything. anything. I love it. According to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we will have what we have asked of Him. That's awesome. I like that too. I like that. Approach, approaching God with confidence. Boldly. It says, if my word remains in you, and you remain in me, you can ask whatever you desire, and it will be done for you. What? Wow. See, some of us, we don't get the answers of our desires because we're not in Him and He's not in us. So we're like, Lord, give me those lottery numbers. I know it's all over. I know it's like 500 million right now. I need it. I tell you, God, I'll give you some of it. <laughs> Half a billion dollars. People are spending their money. Do you know that? You know that, Pastor Earl of Powerball? Half a million. I ain't advertising. I'm just saying. People are probably going to go out and buy a lottery ticket now after I said that. You can buy it, you can have all that money and you're still going to be miserable. How is it that these people that are rich and famous are still miserable and overdosing on drugs? You think the answer is money. The answer ain't money. Because people that have money realize it ain't money. You know what's so cool? Uh, um, I, I, I read this article. They, uh, Jim Carrey, anybody know who Jim Carrey is? Yeah. yeah he's a, uh, especially back in the 90s, he was a big, com- big comedian. They interviewed him, and this is what he said. He said, I wish that everyone could have money for one day to realize that money isn't everything. That's the people that have money are saying that. Well, how do we pray? How do we pray? I love that the Bible teaches us how to pray. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 says, Do not be anxious about, every, about anything. Uh-oh, see right there. Do not be anxious. Just look at, your, look at yourself, point to yourself, say in the name of Jesus. Come on, no, I'm serious. Say in the name of Jesus, do not be anxious about anything. Yeah, you stressing about it ain't going to change the fact. Your bills are overdue, you're stressing about it. You stressing about changing it? No. Do not be anxious about anything but... In every situation, by prayer and petition. Say every situation. situation. That's good right there. Every situation. It says, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So you want to know how to pray? Come before God. Don't be all anxious and and all stressed out. And I mean, if if that's the case, then it's okay. But when you come before Him, come with Him with thanksgiving. Say, God, I thank you that I know that you're the provider. God, I thank you that I know that you have not left me, nor will you forsake me. God, I thank you that I know that you provided me in the past, and I'm in a situation right now, and I need you again. God, I thank you, and you come before him with thanksgiving. Then present your request to God. Friends, it's going to do two things. Number one, God's going to hear you, because he he loves loves it when his sons and his daughters are appreciative. I know I do. I'm a father of four. If my, if my kids are acting like snotty little brats, I don't want to give them jack crap. But if they're thankful, if they're appreciative, man, I'll bless their socks off. I think God's the same way. I mean, I'm not saying I'm like equivalent to God, not even close. I mean, I mean, not even on the same. No, no, no. But, but if I'm appreciative when, when, my parent, when my kids are thankful, I can just assume that God's appreciative. And he says it. Come with them with thanksgiving. And then what we, we present our request to God and this is what's amazing. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your what? Oh, come on, breastplate of righteousness. Will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So friends, when you're going through a situation, when you're struggling, when you feel like you've hit rock bottom, when the enemy has surrounded you on every corner, when you come before Him and you plead, and you give thanksgiving, and you give it to the Lord, then friends, the Scripture says 
that the peace of God, which transcends what you can think, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So friends, it's twofold. Number one, you're crying out to God. He's going to answer your plea. And number two, He's giving you the peace to know that it's going to be okay and that He's going to be with you and He's going to walk with you through it. And friends, you're going to be empowered and you're going to have faith and you're going to be stronger and you're going to trust God. And friends, you're going to go through the fire. And you're going to be refined. You want stronger spiritual muscles? you got to go through some stuff. Anybody here go to the gym and lift? Four people. Anybody here lift donuts? Everybody else. <laughs> Had to work for that big one. They had some big donuts back there today. That was a big, huge one. I'm like, dang. I my kids were the first one here. I said, no, no, we got to get the little ones. I don't want them having that big one. So big. I mean, I mean, that would have like strained a muscle getting that to your mouth. So, weightlifting is what? There, there is resistance that happens, right, against your muscles, right? Well, in the same way, the only way we can spiritually be stronger is if there's resistance. <laughs> a relationship isn't get grounded and stronger when they've had buttercups and rainbows and and it's been happy-go-lucky all their life. It's when they can when they can struggle through tough situations. And then their marriage relationship is tempered and faithfulness is is, is born. That's how people get strong in their faith. They realize their God is amazing. That's why I'm standing right here. It's because I've seen God answer faithfully over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Breastplate of righteousness not only protects our relationship with God, it protects our relationship with others. Helps us, I'm just going to go through this real quickly because I don't want to go too long on this. Friends, it helps us to forgive. Matthew chapter 6 verse 15 says, If we don't forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Friends, it also helps us, uh, number two, by helping us to ask for forgiveness. Sometimes, man, it's hard. I'm a, I'm a man of, who's selfish and prideful. It's hard for me to ask to apologize, tell somebody I'm sorry, and ask for forgiveness at times. But friends, the Holy Spirit will enable and empower us to be humble enough to ask for forgiveness. Especially if you're a dude in here. We don't like to admit when we're wrong. I don't even like to admit that I like to admit when I'm wrong. I mean, it's just... I mean, <laughs> I'm saying that some of y'all right now, you're cringing in your seat like, Ugh, don't say that, Pastor. I don't like that either. <laughs> Matthew chapter 5, verse, uh, a few more verses. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24 says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there at the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come offer your gift. Friends, if you have, if you got hurt feelings towards people, man, you gotta work that, work that through. First John 4, 20 says, Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. Whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And lastly, friends, uh, it helps us uh, to truly love people. Again, this, this thing, when we are equipped with God, when we are equipped with Christ, when we are, are equipped with the full armor of God, it's going to protect us from, from the evil schemes of the enemy, and it's also going to empower and infuse us to be able to love people. Because that's our greatest goal. To love God with all of our heart and to do what? Love others. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's your greatest goal in life. Two greatest goals. They should be. Shouldn't be making a million dollars. Your greatest goal shouldn't be to, you know, have your kids go and be lawyers. I mean, all those are good. Own your own business. Be whatever, successful in some way. Your greatest goal should be loving God with everything and loving people around you. Say squad goals. Squad goals. John 13, uh, this last scripture, yeah, last scripture. John 13, 34 and 35 says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. The only way people are going to know that you are a Christ follower is if you love people. Do you know that? You, You know why people are turned off from church? Because they're not being loved on by Christians. They're being criticized, ridiculed, uh, judged. The reason people, according to Scripture, 
will know that you're a follower of Christ is because you're loving on them. Stand to your feet with me, if you will. Say bulletproof. The Lord wants us to be bulletproof. We're going to pray today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for your word. Changes lives. God, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for you being here with us. And Father, we offer every invitation for you to invade every area of our life. If that's you, just say that right here, right where you're standing. Take, Turn the place where you're standing, turn that into an altar with God right now. And tell him, say, God, I invite you to have lordship in every area of my life. Come on, there it is. Yeah. Surrender. And as you do that, just feel the Lord begin to lift some of the weight off your shoulders right now in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus, worthy God. You're so good, God. Father, we've learned through your word today again, the God that that breastplate guards our heart, guards us from the schemes of the enemy. God, your word says that we're to guard our heart above all else. And Father, we've learned that, God, that our, our own merit, our own good deeds, our own things that we do cannot make us in right standing with you. It's only through Christ. So, Father, we choose, we choose today to be in Christ. God, to be in you. That your righteousness would be upon our life. That we would be in Christ. And God, we would be a new creature. And friends, today, if you're making a, if you're making a first time decision to follow Christ, or you're just, again, maybe you've made that commitment a while ago, but you're just refreshing or reiterating that covenant with Him today.